Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larikia, and this is episode number 260 of the podcast. It's the 12th of January, 2021, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a wonderful conversation with Betsy Tufano. Betsy is an unschooling mom of two living in Barcelona, Spain. She shares lots of details about her unschooling journey and about the importance of the internal work that she did along the way. We also talk about how her relationship with her partner has changed and deepened through their choice to unschool, the role of technology in their unschooling lives, some of the challenges they've faced, and lots more. As a personal update, thanks so much for all the well wishes last week on the fifth anniversary episode of the podcast. I really appreciate all the lovely messages. I spend a lot of time putting that episode together, so this week I've been easing back into all the other things, as well as keeping an eye out for moments to put away Christmas decorations. But they still make me smile, so all is well. This morning, I had a lot of fun chatting about unschooling as a guest on another podcast. We focused a lot on de-schooling and what unschooling looks like, so I'll share that when it comes out. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Esther White. Hi, Esther! I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the growing podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Betsy. Welcome, I'm Pamela Riccia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Betsy Dupano. Hi, Betsy. Hey, Pam. Now, we have gotten to know each other over the last few months in the network, and after all these little tidbits I've had, I'm really excited to learn more about your unschooling journey. So to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family and what everybody's interested in right now? Sure. Well, we're a family of four, and we live right outside of Barcelona, Spain, Um, and it's myself. I'm 44. Uh, my husband's 46, and we have two little girls, Alex, who's 10, and Leah, who's 8. So I'll give you a little snapshot because um, right now, because we have COVID, we've been doing so many cool things at home. Awesome. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with the girls because they're, they're super interesting. So Alex is my animator. She loves drawing, um, animating. She's got her own YouTube channel where she does. Um, kind of speed draws. She does animation maps um, and she puts out her own um, animations. And she's been, she's been working on animation. I want to say over the, over the past year and a half, two years. And it's been fascinating to see her evolution of kind of where she started and where she is now. 
Um, and she has recently uh, shown an interest in doing 3D animation, well, 3D drawing, mm-hmm. and now 3D animation because she really wants to do a Minecraft mod pack. So she and her dad are working on, um, well, they're working on something in Unity, but she she's really starting to get into block bench and, um, and trying to figure out how to do a Minecraft mod. The other day, I think she spent about two days working on a turkey. And you know, like the Minecraft mods, the kind of like the, the, the legs go up and down. Yeah, and, then yeah. goes back and It was fascinating, fascinating to watch her create the model and then figure out how it needed to move. And I was just in awe. Like, you know, it was so, so cool. Um, she's my gamer. So she loves um, gaming. She does a lot of gaming on Steam, Minecraft, Roblox, DS, Switch, loves Pokemon pretty much anything with animals. Um, so, so that's Alex. And then Leah is my, she's, she's so funny, <laughs> but she's creative too. The, the two of them are so creative, but in such different ways. Leah's also an artist, but she is so talented with her, with her hands, like the 3d models that she does in clay and things like that. They look exactly what, like what she says they are, right? <laughs> Even when she's a tiny kid. Um, and so right now she's very into Littlest Pet Shop, um, Warrior Cats, and she loves following the fan fiction of Warrior Cats. So she's done a lot of, um, we, we mutilate the LPS so that she can kind of like graft on clay to do her own OCs and also models of the Warrior Cats. And then she kind of does like, um, YouTube videos and it's fascinating to watch her create these characters because she can be outside because we have a table outside where it's all of like the messy crafts um, for six or eight hours straight. Wow. Like creating the characters. And if she doesn't like it, she takes it off. She does it again. And so when people tell me like, Oh yeah, you know, kids, if you don't force them to do things, they're never really going to sit down and kind of, I'm like, no, no, <laughs> that is, that's not my experience. That's not my experience. Um, And just the other day, I was on the call yesterday, actually. She comes in. She's like, mom, I need cardboard. I'm like, okay. She made this set of like cardboard claws that she was trying to put on her feet, but it didn't really work. So she did them on her hands. Yeah. Um, and just things like that. And I love, I love seeing what she's going to create next. Um, she's recently got into gaming, so she also likes Pokemon, um, Animal Crossing. She's our big Animal Crossing person in the house. Um, and she's my collector. So right now it's Pokemon cards. Um, it's been LPS, but she knows everything about whatever it is she's interested in collecting. So this card is from this year, and it's rare because of this. And if it was in this language, it would be worth more. But I was like, oh, my God, how do you know all this? <laughs> so um, so it's fascinating, fascinating to to watch them. And I feel really privileged to be able to kind of help them if they need, like, mom, how do I do this? Or, or um, I want to figure out how we need to make this work. Or how does a turkey move? Right. And looking up, that's helping them look up that stuff. My goodness. So uh, yeah, I just want to jump in there before we loop because your observations are are brilliant. Like when 
that the fact that when kids, anybody is interested in something, they can dive in for hours and hours. Yeah. And hours. Like, like you said, like when you try to get kids to, to focus or anybody like you think of ourselves, something that we're not interested in, of course, it's hard to focus on it. So the expectation that kids, um, you know, should be able to focus for ages on whatever you tell them to focus on. Right. That's the difference is, is what they're interested in. And you want them in their lives to be engaged with things that they're interested in, right? Because look at the focus they have, look at how much, you know, then people think, oh, kids have to learn how to memorize things, right? But look at all those, all the information your daughter has stored about, like you were saying, the Pokemon, the characters, like all of that, all of those skills, real kids really do own and mm-hmm. the only difference is that they're interested in the thing that they're right. doing. and like that is almost a no-brainer as adults we want to be interested in our work and the things that we do and exactly. all those things so you know it, it almost feels like it is it, it's so negative to say okay yeah sure but you know, you're interested in that thing. So of course you're going to focus on it and you're going to learn every little detail about it. But what about this thing over here that you, it's really fascinating to me how conventionally we don't give credit for all the skills and knowledge and, and concentration and determination just because, just because they like it. Right. Right. Uh, No. So thanks for sharing that. Those details. Yeah. what it looks like in unschooling families. Yeah. Absolutely. And I remember a conversation that I had with someone once and they, they said, well, how are, how is she going to learn how to do the unpleasant things in life? And I was thinking, why would I want her to do the unpleasant things in life? It's like, why? Yes. We should stop and think if it's unpleasant, why am I doing this? Yeah. Well, and that, I think that's part of our unschooling journey too, isn't it? As adults, all of a sudden we ask ourselves, what is it that we're doing that is unpleasant and why are we doing it? Exactly. If we're going to keep doing it, we'll find a why. Yeah, exactly. Our kids will find the why for for the getting up early, for for the job, like all the reasons. There there is a why underneath there, right? Mm -hmm. So that level of understanding ourselves and our goals, you know, that is the richness that they get to with unschooling through exploring the things they like. And you see that determination. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's been been fantastic for me to, to see in action because we've been doing this now long enough. Um, four and a half years. It's like school year, fifth year, right. Um, that sometimes it's hard to remember about when I started and, and the doubts that maybe would kind of creep in, um, but now it's beautiful to watch. It is absolutely beautiful to see them in the flow, um, to see their interest and, and to respect that. So like, if I'm going to ask them to do something, I'm always like, Hey, um, I need some help. So uh, do you have five minutes? And they'll say, okay, I need 10 minutes. Cause I'm in the middle of whatever. And I can respect that because I know I know that they're interested in, I don't know if I'm not explaining it well, but no, no, um, exactly it. Like it, it's not, 
because it's it's not a power struggle anymore. It's just no. human beings living together and needing help. Like like you said, when they come to you and say, "How how exactly does a turkey look when it's moving?" Right? right, and you're helping them out. And so when you're coming, yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, I need five minutes of your time to help me with this. You know, exactly. Like if they came and asked for the turkey, and you were deep in the middle of something, and you said five minutes, yeah, that would be okay with them. Yeah, it is. It really is. It really is. So it's, it's that give and take and give and take. And you know what? It's still okay. If they're like, no, mom, I really, really need you right this instant. Then, you know, then we try to do it that instant because you get to that place in the relationship where it's not about power. It's just about expressing our needs. And like you said, respect, right? You talked about that respect level. Mm -hmm. It's the respect for and understanding that the needs that, any of us are expressing are valid. We're not blowing things out of proportion. We're not being martyrly and hiding things either. You right. know. <laughs> <laughs> or that. Yeah. Well, and it's, and that understanding has just made everything so, it's so smooth. I'm, I'm not going to say it's easy all the time, mm-hmm. but it's, there are so few points of friction now for the most part um, yeah. because yeah, we've like, reached that point. Kind so of it's a good point to mention that it's not easy. Like these are life things, you know, that, right. that come up over time, but um, that, that foundation in those relationships where we can express our needs. And then, you know, if it's not a quick path forward, it's more conversation, more expression, more brainstorming, you know, all those, exactly. you've got those tools now, right? That more tools right. that we can bring into the situation when, when there are times that we can't see exactly what that path forward is going to look like through things. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry to interrupt your introduction, but I just, no worries. It was a good interruption. Oh, I wanted- <laughs> I dive it was a good interruption. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's see, we did the girls. So yeah. Francesc, um, Francesca is Catalan. He's from here. And um, he is a huge sportsman. So he loves tennis. He's just uh, taken it back up again. And then COVID hit, but he's been able to, to continue to play on and off um, mountain biking, which is something that he and I love, but we haven't been able to do together for a while. Um, he's a computer developer. So we have like an in-house IT guy and especially the coding side of things. So that's been fabulous. Um, and he, he's such a researcher, like he loves to dive in and like really get to, um, we'll dive deep really. So he got into tennis and then all these YouTube tennis videos on the serve, on the racket, the way of the racket, the strings are the tense, are they not, ten- you know, and tennis, I know like there are balls that bounce and you hit them with the thing and that's like my understanding of tennis. No, no exactly, right? <laughs> um, but he loves it. So I want to be able to support him in doing this, you know, in doing the thing that, that he loves. But it's great to see him. Like, I just love it when he goes down the rabbit hole because we all end up, we all end up learning something because, because he does such a, um, a thorough job of researching. And like, if we need to buy an appliance, he does the research. And then I'm like, top three. He gets me in the top three. I'm like, okay, that one. <laughs> that, that sounds very familiar well. over here. <laughs> so, so we make a great team on that. Yeah. Um, 
And me recently, I have been um, getting into feral, which is uh, Animal Jam's newer incarnation without the flash. And so, because the girls play and my youngest daughter was like, mom, can you help me with this game? And then it just like, when I realized what the game was about, I'm like, well, do you want me to play through these levels? Because there's like challenges and things like that. She's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So now I grind through, like I get the levels and I get them like the extra money or whatever of the game. And then, then I'm like, look what I got you. They're like, Oh, that's awesome. And then they go off and they do. So they do the fun. <laughs> so, so I love doing that. And I love, um, we have a garden and fruit trees and things like that. And so I love figuring out um, how to grow more food with less work and then how to preserve that. So right now I'm, I'm basically ferment everything. Ooh. So I've got some hot pepper ferments going. I've got olives. I've got kombucha. Um, yeah. So that's, I'm, I'm really kind of learning more about uh, ferments and things like that, which I'm very much enjoying. So. It's so fun. Our kids inspire us to to explore new things, don't they? Like, yeah. And for us to embrace, I think that might be we traditionally when we grow up, we can feel like you know now we're supposed to know all the things, right? So to right, put exactly. ourselves in a situation where we're that novice, can oh, I know, a bit uncomfortable, but. It's actually, I think, you know, as you come to unschooling, it's actually a, a helpful thing, I think, right? Because then, mm-hmm. then you get to learn firsthand that mistakes aren't as big a deal as we worried about, that we learn from each of those. And we yeah. notice all the different ways we bring in information and learn about things. Um, exactly. so it, it's really cool because then, then we basically see unschooling in action with ourselves, right? Yeah. Well, and it seems like such a small thing, but I love how, I love how we're connecting with this game uh, with, um, you know, doing the different things. And, and, you know, I've always been able to listen when they've talked about Animal Crossing or their Pokemon Sword and Shield and looking up walkthroughs and things like that. Um, but I've ne- I, I haven't really played, played. Sometimes I'll do a battle for them or whatever. Um, and I'm really enjoying the connection that we're making, you know, with this. So I'm like, ooh, what else can I do? <laughs> what other games can I play? And, oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And I have to say that COVID really has given us the time to do this because we've had to slow down a lot. And even though we didn't have much planned, now we have nothing planned. Right? It's all like in the house. Um, and it has been wonderful to just stop and be and focus on connection. And, you know, I don't, even though I think we were probably better equipped to confront this because we were already at home, right? We were at home with the girls. We knew how to kind of live together, all of us. Um which a lot of people didn't at the beginning of COVID when everybody was home, the kids were home. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, even in this hard time, it's been, it's been a great time of connection. I found. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That's a great point. The even, even the piece that, you know, you already knew how to live together. So now you take that moment to deepen it. I think that's something mm-hmm. that's, Something that surprised me when we came to unschooling too was how much time downtime at home 
we were choosing, mm-hmm. right? That I, you know, at first I thought, oh, unschooling, we'll be able to do all the things all the time. You know, we can mm-hmm. go here and go there and do the things. And I mean, we did some things, but it was just surprising to me how much time to just be space, um, to just that'll deep dive. Like you were describing the girls, like yeah. that space and time to deep dive into what is interesting to them right now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and what I'm finding now with, with COVID is a lot of the girls interactions with friends are online and they love it because they can dive in, they play the game, they do the chats and sometimes they're on for hours and they're watching movies together, like over Discord, right? Yeah. But then sometimes they're just like, oh, you know, I'm going to go. And the, and, the, and the other people on the call are like, oh, why? They're like, she's like, well, I've just had enough for now. I'll be back. Yeah. Yes, later. And then, and she just, you know, they got off the call, they go do whatever they do. Then they, then they join back in. And it's very, very difficult to do that when you're at a park day or somebody at your house mm-hmm. or you know, and I'm finding that that type of interaction for both of the girls right now works really, really well because they can, they can control how much, you know, together time that they have with their friends. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is a great point. Yeah. And they learn so much about themselves too, as they're exploring that, right? Definitely. Time, time to themselves. Yeah. I love that. So. How did you, you said it's been about four and a half years. How did you yeah. discover unschooling and what did your family's move to unschooling look like as much as you okay. can remember? <laughs> oh, I remember it. I remember. So Francesque found uh, free to, which book was it? Hold on. Free to learn. Yeah, it was free to learn. And he's like, Bets, I think you're really going to like this book. You should read it. It's like, okay. So I, I did. We were actually to here in Spain. Children start school, I'm going to put them in quotes, at three. So obligatory schooling starts at six. Mm-hmm. But if you don't get your kid in the school by three, there's no spot at six, right? Mm. And we were still conventionally parenting at that point in time. And so everybody did it. Like at two and a half, you're researching schools because there's there's some choice. So you have public schools, you have joint public-private kind of um like they're called concertadas and then you have fully private schools. Right. And so you can choose one of the three options. Um, And I'm American Uh, at two and a half. We're not thinking of what school our kid is going to be going into, going into like they're doing a two hour pre-K. Yeah. at two and a half. Um, And so I asked Frances to do the research because I knew that he, that he would really do a good job in taking a look at the schools, vetting the schools, seeing the different methodologies. And as he's doing this, as he's doing his deep dive, he came across your book and I read it and I was like, Oh, this is what I want. The, the relationship, this type of relationship is what I would dream about having with my girls. Right. And I started to think, well, how can we do this? And at that point in time, I was working in Barcelona. Francesc um, works for himself. So he worked half out of the home, half at different clients. And so Alex went to school. And in the back of my mind, I had, okay, but really, this is where I want to go. And 
we really started doing it very gradually. So, you know, I channeled Francesca and I, I kind of went down, you know, the rabbit hole of unschooling and I read more of your books. I read Joyce Federal, Sandra Dot, like anything I could get my hand on. And then I thought, okay, well, how can I apply this to our lives, even though Alex is in school? And, and we actually found a school that was um, Emilio Reggio, which is kind of like Montessori, um, very uh, open. You know, the kids can be inside, outside their different zones. So it was very, um, it was a very gentle entry, or so we thought, into schooling. Alex hated it. <laughs> she hated it. Yeah. But um, but that's where we were. Um, but as we started applying kind of unschooling principles, um, things started to change. And then I, I after a while, I moved, um, my work moved into the home. Mm-hmm. So um, I was working in Barcelona and then I, my position, I was able to do it from my house. And at that point in time, it was just like, okay, let's do this. And so Alex was about to turn six. So we pulled her out of school. We pulled, Leah had just started. We pulled her out of school as well. And we jumped in with two feet. Like we moved away from where we were. We bought a house with a big yard. You know, we just went all in. Yeah. Um, and it was, and because we had spent those last couple of years really learning more about unschooling without actually doing it, I think we had internalized a lot about um, freer food choices, freer technology choices, kind of use of their own time, right? Which we couldn't necessarily go whole hog on when they were in school. But then once they stepped out of school, it was a lot easier for us, I think, to 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 accept that and move towards that. Um, but there were there were still bumps along the way, but. But that's our story of kind of like how we got into unschooling. That is so cool. That is really, it's interesting um, that you were exploring it, like finding it and thinking about it and, and taking in much of the pieces, like the relationship pieces, even though right now you had school in the mix, right? right. Like, because there is, it's so much fun to, fundamentally about, our relationships and how we treat each other, like how we treat our children and, exactly. how, you know, speak with them, engage with them, um, have fun with them. I mean, exactly. I think with yeah. kids, that is a beautiful focus and, and then it helps forever, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that that is really cool to hear. And then you just slowly piece by piece navigated your life so that that's where exactly. you yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I remember the very first thing that I did was the say yes more piece, you know, and I remember kind of, I was about to do the knee jerk. No, for something, I don't know, ball playing ball in the house. And then I thought, wait, let's say yes. How could I say yes to this? Right. And the girls were really teeny tiny. Um, But that, again, that just kind of opened up that questioning of, no, I'm not going to say no. Let's figure out how we can do this has basically that's how I approach everything now. Love that. Let's say no. Such a great point because that's a perfect question. Question to ask ourselves, how can I say yes? Because it's not about an unthinking yes. 
Mm -hmm. right? Because that doesn't really help us figure it out either. Um, Yeah, I mean, unless it's an easy yes. Right. But but yeah, how can I say yes? How can I create an environment where we can do the thing? Right? You know, the ball example, we can find find a room, find a spot where there's not breakable stuff around. Maybe we can move around a little bit. But anyway, yeah, it's about we can cultivate that yes so much easier than we think, right? Yeah. Exactly. And and it took a little while to get to that spot where it's not just like a blanket yes for everything, right? Because I remember there were some points where I said yes, and I'm like, I'm uncomfortable with this yes. Yeah. But I think I had to be uncomfortable to to kind of be like, okay, well, this doesn't work for me. So where can we go? So this does work for me and it works for them. So I love, I love that too, because it's our experience, right? How exactly. we, if, if we never like start saying yes, then we don't get, it's more experience. Like, there was nothing wrong with that. Yes. That made you feel a bit uncomfortable because now you were learning, learning more about the whole thing, about that process, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Really cool. Okay. So what has been one of the more challenging aspects of your unschooling journey so far? You kind of alluded to something. So I was hoping you could share a bit about how you moved through that. Well, okay. So there's about, there's, for me, there's two things. Um, the first one is that we're in Spain and the legal situation of unschooling, it's, it's very gray. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's just a little bit difficult to navigate that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's not normalized here, it's lonely. Um, and then the state where I am in Catalonia, we have about 250 families that are doing some sort of homeschooling, right? Um, but the children are usually very, very young. And it's rare, it's rarer to have older school age children. So there are many, there are much fewer school age children, like nine, 12, 15, that you find. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one challenge is finding connection which I'm so glad I joined the network because that's where I found, that's really where I found my connection is even though it's not physically here with me, I'm still connected to people who are, um, who are radically unschooling, which I'm like in the weirdos of people who do homeschooling in Spain, like we're the really weird weirdos. (laughs) (laughs) Because everyone, we get to, we go to these park days and they're like, Oh, curriculum. What are you doing? What does your day look like? And I was like, well, how do you do math? Well, we go to the store and they get money to spend. They get money to spend. Um, so for me, that's one of the challenges. Kind of, um, I don't want to say isolation, but just the loneliness, you know, of being in a space where there aren't too many people that are doing homeschooling, let alone unschooling. Yeah. And the other thing for me that it's a challenge, but it's not really a challenge. I don't think that's the right word. It's um, the personal growth that I have had to do in order to not make this work, but for me to really radically unschool and to live unschooling, not just use it as like an educational methodology, right? Mm -hmm. Has meant that I have really had to... um, take some deep looks inside because what I've learned is that when something, when I don't like something, it's not the kids and it's not what the kids are doing. It usually comes from 
some baggage that I have, right? And to stop, take the time, figure out like, what is it that, about this situation that I don't like? Why don't I like it? Where is it coming from? you know, I have to sit in some uncomfortable feelings sometimes. And for a person that, you know, has constantly, has never given myself the time to do that because it was uncomfortable and I don't like being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. That's a challenge. That's a challenge, but it's a good challenge because I've grown so much from the start of my journey to now. So. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That, that discomfort piece, it really is a big piece, I think, because, because unschooling works really well when you do embrace it as a lifestyle and use it as a vehicle for that personal journey. Like, I mean, yeah. for me, it really is a, a journey about becoming more human like it's it's I think it's part of of our human journey when when we want to be engaged in our life and you know really understand ourselves so like you said really is choosing to give ourselves that time that often when you're just going into the flow of you know more mainstream life you don't have time for this right yeah and and like you said, who wants to sit in the uncomfortableness? But then when you gain experience of sitting through it a little bit, like choosing, you, you guys chose to dive in, right? Yes. <clears throat> yes. And you know what? That does sound like a way we would like to go, a direction we'd like to go in. You know, even while you were working mm-hmm. outside the home and, and your eldest was in school and everything. So, you know, that was kind of your call to this, to this journey and the, the discomfort piece, like you said, that really is so valuable. And, and we learn over and over that we just gain so much by going through it, but each time it's not easy, is it? No. And there's always something different because the, the kids are different ages. They're hitting different things. Right. Um, but a good example was, like the house being tidy, right? Mm-hmm. So I call it like the clean, the cleanliness continuum. Like <laughs> mine is up here. Yeah. And pretty much everyone else I live with is like here, right? Yeah. And I used to get so annoyed when there would be stuff in the floor, like really annoyed. Like it made my brain feel cluttered, right? When I saw clutter. Mm-hmm. But then I did a lot of reading around chores and cleaning and all that stuff. And I realized that it's my need to have the house at, you know, X level of cleanliness, right? So, and nobody else was really interested in in having it at X level of cleanliness. Yeah. So what did I need to do to help manage that need for myself. Right. And so part of it was just letting go because I managed to, I started to see, I started to see a clean floor as a blank canvas and accepting that that clean floor was going to be cluttered again soon with projects, art projects and different setups of toys. Um, And that was okay. And that was good because that meant things were working and the kids were were playing and having fun, right? 
And so that was kind of a mental shift for me. Um, and when I really need like a clean spot, like I'll clean the spot on the countertop or I'll go upstairs and I'll clean my desk off. Um, I really, I, I have an office, so I'm in my office right now. And so like, if I need to come into an organized spot, um, to kind of clean my brain, then I come up here and I do some organizing and then I can kind of like, you know, move forward into, uh, clean and tidy. Um, but it hasn't been all me kind of making the, making the concessions, right? It's not. So, um, I was also able to talk to my partner and be like, okay, look, I would like to not, you know, make my feet bloody by stepping, stepping on like little teeny tiny toy pieces. So what can we do? And, and it's been a back and forth of, um, well, you know, I can do this and I can do that. And for example, what's working for us now is we have a calendar that I've done of like, okay, well, these are the cleaning stuff that needs to get done. And and we have like a little tiny cleaning thing each day, like kitchen surfaces, right? That's today. These two windows need to get cleaned. That's tomorrow. Right. And it's there. Um, And if we don't do it, it's no big deal, but we know that it's something that we'd like to get done. And that seems to be working. That seems to be working fine now. That works well for, him and I, and, and sometimes the girls will help us and sometimes they won't. Um, but it's always, it's always in motion. You know, it's always in motion because we're not the same people today that we were yesterday. So that is such a big point, I think, because we often, we can feel like when something's bothering us, we want to solve it. Right. Yeah. On an answer. Absolutely. And then we want that answer to work moving forward because we want to take it off our plate. You know what I mean? Um, But exactly what you said, our circumstances are always changing. Us as people are always changing, right? Um, So I I think that's a big acceptance point is that things are going to move and flow with us. Like our solutions are going to look different for anything really like even even down to how we learn as at, you know that can morph over time um but also all those pieces like our sleep morphs over time our our food morphs over Definitely. time like whether it's it's the kinds of food but that's the more intuitive piece that is more deeply understanding ourselves and really deeply respecting that right to come up with with these with these plans and ideas like I love the calendar it's like you know here here's the things I've thought it through you know this this organization but it's it the nice thing is putting it out in the world without expectation right right it's exactly. still a choice it's 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 still a choice and the calendar thing <sighs> You know, if it's not if it's not working, so for example, if one or the other of us starts to feel more burdened, yeah. it's gotten to the point where we just discuss it like, hey, this isn't working for me. Yeah. What do you think we could change? Yeah. You know, it's not it's not this huge fight. Um and it's, it's not really a lot kind of, of guilt as in, oh, you no. didn't like, yeah, none of that comes in. It's like here, right. you know, let, let, it's it's a tool. It's like a tool that we're trying to use together. And if the tool stops working or pieces of it, you know, right. like it's starting to feel a little heavy or whatever. 
those are clues for us to, you know, revisit again and exactly and the flow rather than trying to keep trying to pull and control everybody to this answer. Yeah. And, and I think because we've been unschooling and because I, you know, I want to make sure that I afford my children um, the space to try. And if it doesn't work, try again. And if they need support, get the support that they need to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure that I afford the same kind of gentle acceptance to what I need and what Francesc needs. And so, and that's been really, really hard to, to do because it's like, Oh, well, we didn't clean the bathroom today. Oh my God. Oh, but at the end of the day, is anybody going to die because I didn't clean the bathroom? No, it's perfectly fine. If it gets done tomorrow, great. And if it doesn't get done tomorrow and it gets done next week, not a problem at all. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. That's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and for me, like making, I, everybody knows here, I'm like the list queen, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But for me, the value in that is not as in trying to hold myself to some sort of schedule, but it's out of my brain. Yeah. So like the bathroom is there on the list. And like you said, oh, it's here today. Oh, it's here again today. And, and it's here again till next week or till whenever. But it's not in my head taking up space. Exactly. <laughs> and then I can just see it and choose in the moment where it goes. Yeah, no. I love right. That. Well, and it also becomes a communication tool, right? Like. Right now, I've thought these are the minimum things that I would like to get done so that, you know, our home works well for us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if something doesn't get done and it's really bothering me, I, I am allowed to say, you know, we haven't done this and it's making me a little antsy or I think I'm upset that that I didn't do this or that we didn't get to do this. And whether it be to Francesc or to the girls, you know, we already have that line of communication open and it's not an attack. It's just, this is how I'm feeling. What can we do? What do you think I should do? Is there something that we could do together? It's that transition um, away from the kind of power and control relationship yeah. with a spouse or partner or with your kids, right? Shifting yeah. away from that into that connection where we're all a team together, right? right? So like you said, you can you can express these things and they don't take it as a slight mm-hmm. on them or a judgment of them. But, uh, you know, I'm feeling antsy. Can we, can right, we help exactly. figure out a way through this? You know, maybe it is, you know what, mom, you don't have to find out about the turkey movement. Help me with that right now. I can wait while you clean the bathroom. It may be giving you space to do these things that are feeling right out of that's right. And what I loved is that um, it's helped me determine what my priorities are. And it's almost always, um, prioritizing the relationship. So, you know, stopping in the moment where I'm like putting the dishes in the dishwasher or, you know, about to clean the surfaces because the calendar says I need to clean the kitchen surfaces. (laughs) 
you know, and one of the girls comes over and needs help with something. Well, the kitchen surfaces will be there for me to clean, you know, in 30 minutes or the next day. But this moment right now may not be right. And so I always try and remind myself because I'm very goal oriented and sometimes it's very hard for me to shift, but I always try and remind myself that there's more value in me stopping what I'm doing for this low value activity to really focus on the relationship and the people who are really important to me, which are Alex, Leah and Frances, right? So Exactly. It does come right down to the priorities and what our choices are, right? Like I'm choosing to put our relationship as a high priority, our connection. When I'm being invited to connect with somebody, that is almost always going to be a higher priority. You know, make sure to turn the water off in the sink or whatever. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And um, go ahead. Sometimes that's been hard because a lot of times in the back of my head, there's always this little voice saying, well, you know, you should, those shoulds, right? Yeah. You should want, you should be doing. Um, And it's been, you know, I'm constantly trying to make sure that I'm not listening to my perceptions of other people's possible expectations of me. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. like, I'm creating, you know, these big ideas of what somebody else might think of me. I don't know what they think of me. They're probably not even thinking of me. Right. But I have this voice in the back of my head. And so trying to undo that um, has also been a large portion of my, of my journey of my house doesn't have to look like it's ready to, you know, be photographed by better homes and gardens at all, ever, ever, yeah, right. Ever. Um, the fun piece of diving into shoulds is we realize how much it's what we're thinking about what other people think exactly so fascinating (laughs) exactly and I always have to sometimes I have to remind myself I'm like do you really care this person that you don't know like do you care what they think and the answer is pretty much always no I don't care what they think I don't care what they think yeah, no, exactly. And because it, that's pulling us away from a choice and that's how it becomes yeah. good, right? We lose our Exactly. Choice. So it just re every, that's, I, that's why I kind of use the should word uh, when I hear myself saying that, that's just my little clue. It's like, oh, it, it's just mm-hmm. a little clue that, oh, your mind has shifted to where you're looking at what, how other people might judge you. Yeah. And you know what? We have learned to judge ourselves very harshly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No. Yeah. Good. Good. So you mentioned a little bit earlier about um, technology and mm-hmm. you were prepping for the call. You talked about how you love how technology weaves through your Definitely. days. And I know technology is something that a lot of people find challenging. So I would love to hear a bit more about your experience. Okay. Um, so yes, technology and screens, even though I do not like using screens to talk about all the different types of technology that we use, yeah. are they're a huge part of um, how we connect with and experience the world, all four of us. Um, Francesc is a programmer, like he's an IT guy, and he, is, he has worked with computers for the last 20 years. That's what he does. That's how he makes his living, right? Um, 
I'm a first adopter, first adopter. I, I like new gadgets, right? Like I love that <laughs> stuff. I love figuring out how it works, you know, poking buttons to see what they do. So I really like that. And early on, both he and I, and I'll just talk for me, but he, he, I, I, when I was talking with him, I think he, he feels the same way. Um, but it would be disingenuous of us to be constantly on our devices, right? So for me, it's my phone. Um, and for him, it's his computer. Mm-hmm. And not allow our children the same freedom to be, because, for example, my phone is my library um, the way that I contact my friends, it's my encyclopedia. Um, you know, it's how I, I figure out how to ferment foods, um, what seeds to buy, how to plant something. Um, you know, it's, it's this fantastic tool. And so I couldn't rightly say, well, I'm going to be using it, but you can't, right. That didn't seem, that didn't seem reasonable to me. Um, but there's a lot of fear mongering around the childhood development and screens and watching TV and games. Um, and my experience has been the following. So our girls have had pretty free access to technology um, to be able to watch what they want to watch from the time that they were probably three years old and one and a half or two. Um, and we watched a lot of octonauts a lot of times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have Leah, my youngest, loves to watch series over and over and over again. So, for example, this last couple of days, we've been watching Adventure Time. It's probably the 10th time that we've watched like all six seasons all the way through, right? Yeah. And each time we watch it, and I watch it with them. So like, you know, I might be in the kitchen, but our house is like this big open space so I can see the TV and we'll be laughing about some like character or what they said or, um, and we always find some new little joke, right? Um, but what I've realized is that a lot of their play, it like, it piggybacks off of each other. They love stuff with animals, so they try to find um, more shows and games with animals, and they play the game, but then they'll go outside with their, you know, animal figurines or their littlest pet shop, and they'll do um, an imagination play with the animals, maybe pulling from the storyline they've just been watching, and then they come back inside, and they'll do something different. Um, And so them having access to technology hasn't necessarily been you know, 24 seven, um, you know, just attached to the screen. And I can understand, I understand how, um, people parent conventionally where whose children go to school, it is very, very scary. Um, because their kids get home from school and they're like, well, the only thing they want to do is watch TV. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what do you want to do when you come home from eight hours of working? right? Your kid has been in school, listening to somebody else talk, doing things that they don't necessarily want to do for eight hours. What do you do when you get home? Do you sit down and start doing more work? No, but that's what we expect children to do, right? Um, and, and it's the whole economics thing, right? When there's something that is scarce, 
being able to use it has a very, very high value, right? And you're going to want to keep using it until, because somebody's going to come and take it away, right? Um, and we really see the difference between the way that our daughters approach technology because they have access to technology all day, every day, and different technologies. So the computer with the Steam games and the Blender and the iPad and the DS and the, and the Switch versus um, our nephews, for example, who are pretty much the same age, but they go to school. Um, and so going on to YouTube and watching their favorite YouTubers or playing a game, it, it's really kind of a way to blow off steam. And they don't have very much time to do that. And so sometimes I think for the girls, especially when they were a little bit younger, bringing their iPad or their Switch or something to, to the grandma's house when the cousins were over was really difficult because the cousins would like, the girls were like, yeah, we're going to go see our cousins. And, and the boys would really want to want to be on the iPads and the Switches because they didn't necessarily have access to that, right? And the girls were like, but we wanted to play outside in the pool. So um, what I've seen through use of technology is, so for example, my oldest learned how to read through Pokemon games, basically. Yeah. Um, so Pokemon games have a lot of words right? And I think she was five and a half and six. And so first it was, mom, what does this say? Mom, what does this say? So I had to be like right next to her. So we read through. And then it was, what does this word say? Right? And she was calling me less and less frequently. And then there was a couple weeks that she didn't call me at all. I'm like, are you still playing Pokemon? She's like, yeah, yeah. And and she's, you know, pacing through all these, all these screens. I'm like, do you understand what that says? She's like, yeah, more or less. Right? And and we sit down and she's like, I'll read the book to you. And she would read. And what was fascinating was she, um, she could sight read. So she knew all the big words like neighbor and, um, you know, thought and weather, but she didn't know the little tiny words like the, the, and the, or, and the, his, because contextually she didn't need to know them, <laughs> Right. Yeah. When she was learning how to read in the game. Yeah. Um, and for her, her process has taken probably about a year and a half, but now she reads everything. She reads everything. And because we live in Spain, um, sometimes the games are in Spanish. And so, you know, she's starting to be able to read in Spanish because, you know, she already has the toolkit of how she learned how to read in English. Right. Mm -hmm. The process for my eight-year-old has been a little bit different. Um, but still, technology is helping her learn how to read uh, because one of the things that we've done is we've put the subtitles on the TV. So whenever, so whenever we watch TV like Netflix or anything, we turn the subtitles on because we couldn't hear it because the TV was on, two iPads were on and like uh, something else was going. So Francesca and I put the, the, the captions on so we could, we could hear the TV. Right. And Lee was telling me, she was like, well, yeah, you know, I see the words when I'm watching TV. And so I know kind of what the words are saying, right? So she's, what she's telling me is, I, 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 I recognize that there are words on the screen. And this is one way that I'm capturing this information, right? Yeah. Along with her gameplay and along with uh, a whole host of other things. Um, but it's been fascinating how those two journeys, even though they were, they were aided by technology, have been so different to to get to the same place um but for me 
at the end of the day, technology is just a tool. It's a tool. And it's how Alex is able to find how, how to do a 3D um, character on Blender. It's how she figured out how to use, use Blockbench to create this Minecraft turkey that moves, right? Mm-hmm. It's how Leah is able to find all the information on all of these different Pokemon cards and the values and what year they were made in and how many there are. Um, it's how they're able to, to connect with people that have the same interests. So whether they're playing Roblox or Alex is trying to find other artists who do the same type of art that she does. Um, or how they figure out how to, how to do things. So DIY, you know, making their OC, the, the original characters for the warrior cats. And for me, not giving them access to those tools would be handicapping them. I can't imagine how I would be able to provide them with the same amount of information, um, as these different technological devices have been able to provide them. Yeah, no, I love, love the way you describe that because there is so much. And what I love about like YouTube and all the forums, all those places where they're finding and connecting with people with the same kind of interests, everybody Everybody, so many people are open to sharing what they know. We love, as human beings, we love to share what we're interested in, what we know about it. We're excited to connect with somebody and help them out so Mm -hmm. often, right? And as you said, it is a tool that facilitates that connection, that learning. And the other piece I love was how, because we can see technology as static. And Mm -hmm. you were explaining how each of your daughters have used it differently. Mm-hmm. Or their their learning process, right? Learning to read. Definitely. It is because it's a tool, we're each going to use it as works for us individually, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Not only the places, but but how we use it. Because it's just a tool for us to play right. with and use how best fits. I love the closed captioning. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Lissy came home, oh, it's probably over a year now, and she turned on the closed captioning on all our TVs because it's the way she likes to yeah. watch. Like she, I guess, looks up because, you know, she'll have it on while she's doing all sorts of art things as well. And right. we haven't turned it off. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I, I look at the TV, I'm like, why can't I hear the TV? I'm like, oh, the captions are on. And it's so strange, like how those two are connected. I'm like, oh, yeah. now I can hear, right? Because the words are on the TV. Um, um, yeah. What I also cool. like about technology, though, Pam, yeah. is I think the way, or in my experience, in other families who do radical unschooling, technology also gives us a, I don't want to say a platform for conversations, but because we are using those tools with our children. We are kind of watching together in parallel, could be some of the YouTube, we're watching in parallel the different um, TV shows, we're having conversations about what they're watching. Um, When something comes up that is a little icky, because I think there's a lot of fear about, well, what if they see X, Y, and Z, or what if they're um, approached by, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so we've been having conversations with them from a very young age of, okay, 
Well, we don't give out our information on, um, on the internet. And that is like showing our face on YouTube videos and putting out our um, address and phone number and email and things like that. Because while most people are good, there are some people that are not, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, having this type of conversation. And so, um, and they, they internalize that. And so as they're using the tools, they're beginning to understand, okay, well, oh, you know, there was this YouTube video about th- this happening. Okay, now I understand why, why, you know, mom was talking to me about let's not put out our, our information or, um, I don't know, Leo was watching a video and maybe about Minecraft and there was some guy and he was talking and he wasn't, you know, he was saying some pretty mean things about some other, some other YouTubers. And I, and I turned to him like, I don't, I don't like this guy. He seems really mean. <laughs> what do you think? And she's like, yeah, <laughs> she's like, it's not so good. I'm like, but you want me to help you find something different? She's like, yeah, you know, but, but because I'm around, you know, because we're around, we can have those types of conversations. And I hope, I hope that as they get older and as they come up against, you know, other content that might be upsetting to them because they might, right? that we've been able to create a relationship that's open enough so that they're comfortable coming to us because at the end of the day, you know, one time Alice was, I don't know, she hid something and I said, baby, there is nothing that you can be watching that I am ever going to be mad that you're watching. I might be a little bit upset because I think it's kind of yucky. I said, but I'm not going to be mad at you. Right. Um, so so for for me, it gives us the opportunity to have these conversations because whether or not we like it, technology is a part of our world now. And anyone will come up against content that they may not like. And knowing how to deal with that or knowing that you have somebody that you can go to to make sense of what you've seen, if it's upset you, um, or to discuss it, in an open and honest way versus how to having to figure it out yourself with your friends. Um, I think there's a lot of value to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's such a great point that to use it as, as it is a tool for connection, right? For us to connect with our kids because we want to connect with things that they're interested in because we learn more about them and, and because that's where we can have those open conversations. I think, you know, from the, sometimes how questions and stuff are phrased and like you mentioned right up at the top, the word screens, you know, when people are saying they're on their screens all the time, that, that is a trigger for us or a clue for us that, Hmm, do they really know what they're doing there? Because like, if, if you don't know that level of detail about your children's interests, like, are they watching YouTube? What kind? And so, and YouTube isn't even the interest. YouTube is a tool. Right. Exactly. You know, are they watching, you know, um, videos that are showing them how to do this? Are they, what is it 
that they're watching also. What channels are they liking? What are they enjoying about it? Because those are the conversations you want to have. Or, mm-hmm. you know, just as if your kid's super interested in soccer or hockey, you want to learn about that and have conversations about that. So, you know, putting it on, you know, seeing it as a tool and and going down to the level of interest, like realizing that the screen isn't the interest mm-hmm. and having conversations around the interests. And like you said, and the skills are going to be developing you you truly can compare that to like a sport or any other interest that they have Absolutely. in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their ability to find information that they're that they're interested in mm-hmm. and looking for is phenomenal. And neither of my kids know how to type, right? So I mean, so they're using the uh the voice to text a lot. Yeah. Um <laughs> In fact, Alex uses voice to text to write stuff out. She's like, yeah, I just say it in, in YouTube and then I copy it yeah. <laughs> or yeah. just type it out for me. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I, I really enjoy the way that we've been able to weave technology into our lives. And I can't imagine, like, I, I can't imagine. Um, I wish I had those tools when I was a child, because for me, kind of my only gateway was books. But I had to wait until the library had the book, which could be weeks, right? Yeah. Um, and only the books that I could carry, right? And now on my phone, I have thousands of books, millions, right? <laughs> yes. At any point in time. And I can figure out. So when Alex says, okay, well, this Pokemon, what animal is it from? We can go in, we can look, we can see where the connection is, where that animal is from. You know, is it endangered? Why is it endangered? You know, just we can pull that that thread, that mm-hmm. that string, um, and we can find the answers almost immediately, which was I, not the case. <laughs> I it, it is just so valuable. And and then like for finding communities of other, you know, people who are interested in the same things, so you can get deeper discussions. Um, and feel more connection with the things that you're passionate about and with other people living the same life. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's a tool and it's such a helpful tool. And your point too, about um, their cousins and, and the time constraint, like the freedom to choose is what really helps us see it in action um, for its benefits and talking with them. Like, you know, Sometimes we do, like even as adults, sometimes we push back. We want to watch one more episode. Want to, and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. no, your eyes are tired, you know, whatever, whatever. But we're getting, getting experience through that. It, it's, I find we often judge things so much for our kids because yeah. we want them to be like better than us or oh, yeah. whatever. Well, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I think the expectations that I sometimes have for my children, I sometimes I have to take a step back. I'm like, oh my God, she's eight. I'm 44. And I still like, I'm hungry. I'm not a nice person. It's like, let's give her a little bit of a break. Like the kid is frustrated. She's been trying to do this for three hours. It's not working. She's allowed to let off a little bit of steam. I may not like the way that she's doing it, you know, but, but she's entitled to that because she's frustrated. Afterwards, we could talk about how she did it. But right now, I'm going to let her be frustrated because if it was me, I would be frustrated, yes. right? No, 
exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's a such a such a useful shift to realize like so many expectations that we put on our kids, right? And even thinking about ourselves, well, you know, I'm not very good at this thing. I want my kids to be better at it. Right. <laughs> you know? So then we put our view of what better looks like and 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 expect that from yeah. our kids. Anyway, um, I wanted to move on to the to the next question because okay. I'm interested to hear about this. Um, as we've been talking about, uh, as we're moving deeper and deeper into unschooling, our relationships with our kids um, become steeped in that connection and trust, like that foundational, strong relationship that helps us move through those more frustrated moments, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it can be challenging for us to extend that same kind of grace um, with our partners. Right. So I was wondering if you could share how unschooling has deepened or changed your relationship with Francis um, and, and what that journey has looked like for you. Sure. OK. Um, so I have to say that I think actually I think he thinks as well, because I did ask him this, but our relationship is stronger because we have been practicing radical unschooling. And the reason I say that is what drew me to radical unschooling was the ability and the opportunity to create these relationships with, with my children, right. That would, um, that would be able to grow as they grew. Right. Well, if I am kind of practicing that looking for connection, living consensually with my children, why wouldn't I be doing that with my partner? Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, for, for me, it's a lot of it has come from kind of that self-reflection of like, Oh, this is my thing. This is my thing. Yeah. this This doesn't need to be anybody else's thing. Like this is my thing and I don't need to force this thing onto anybody else. And I'll try to think of an example of that. I've got plenty, but not one that that comes to my head right now. Um, you know, and, and it's just like I see my children or I try to see my children for who they are. Right. Like, um, Leah loves her LPS and right now she's really into Pokemon and she's starting to experiment with having a space of her own. And Alex loves her, um, her drawing and her animation, uh, and Pokemon, you know, Francesca also has, you know, the same passions that he likes, the way that he likes to structure his days, um, you know, when things flow and they're great, you know, how he, how he is. And when they don't, you know, what that might look like. Right. And being able to understand that and support that and have him do the same thing for me. Right. Kind of, um, and what's been fantastic is whenever anybody, uh, any one of us has a bobble, like, oh, man, they're never going to learn how to speak Spanish, right? The other one's like, no, it's fine. Don't worry, right? One of, And then the other one, then it happens. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. This whole, whatever this is. No, it's fine. Don't worry, right? So um, we've been lucky that the two of us have kind of been walking this path together. I think I jumped down the rabbit hole first. Um, but he, I 
I, I think he also read your book. Um, and we both agree that like, this is where we want to go, you know? And so as we, as we walk the path, sometimes one of us will run ahead, then the other one catches up. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's treating him as a person that I live with that has, that has needs and wants and me caring enough about him, just like I care enough about the girls to want to be able to um, not make everybody happy because you can't make everybody happy all the time. Right. Yeah. But to make sure that when we do something or we make a choice that everybody's voice is heard and that we come to some consensus that works for all of us. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that, that happy piece too, because we can't control when other people are happy, but it's, it's cultivating that environment as they're exploring what makes them happy. Right. right. Exactly. And to be able to support them. It was, I, I remember, I just, I remember the feeling of realizing, you know, when I could shift from what his were, because at first I was thinking, oh, you know, you want to do those things and you're taking time away from the family, right? Because that's mm-hmm. the more con- conventional kind of focus. And then that shift when I realized, like, look at how wonderful and connected and strong our relationships are when I'm helping my kids enjoy and pursue the things that they love to do. Mm-hmm. And right. loved how happy they were, right? And how much fun they were having. And to think that shift to think, oh, you know, a happy spouse partner would be pretty right. awesome. So instead of, you know, contentious conversations, if I switched, you know, just because what we're the only ones that are under our control, right? And so much as you've been saying the whole call, so much of it yeah. is our internal work to move through. And when I made that perspective shift for myself and thought like, I am enjoying this relationship with my kids, this relationship with my partner is a lot more, is a lot harder and contentious. What if I use the same approach because mm-hmm. I'm loving what I'm seeing here. And that was like a light bulb moment that shifted so much to realize like I can support him because I, I love him. You know, he's part of my family. This is how I would like to be in relationship with him because I don't like the contentiousness, right? Right. It's not enjoyable at all. And wow, what a huge shift, even, even if just for myself, right. But it does change the relationship because all of a sudden you're having great conversations because you're not arguing or resisting. It's like oh, you want to you want time to do this thing, you know, whether it's something they want to do around the house or whether it's someplace they want to go or do or whatever. When you're yeah. trying to help them make it happen, there's nothing to fight about, really. Right. Well, and Yeah. And it just it makes our days so much more joyful because. For example, he loves to mountain bike and he's great at it, right? Um, and so a lot of, every other weekend, he goes for a long ride with his brother. And they're gone for, I don't know, three to five hours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when he started doing it, I remember thinking, I'm like, okay, well, you could be resentful that you're not going and you're home with the kids. 
and just that he's out doing fun things. When is it your turn to do fun things? Yeah. Or you could just, you know, be happy for him that he's able to find this time to connect with his brother, do something that he, that he absolutely loves doing. He comes back. He's super happy. Um, and for me, it was really, you know, I, I just needed to communicate to him like, oh, hey, if your parents are coming for lunch today, like I'm going to order a chicken, stop by and pick it up on your way back. <laughs> or can you make sure I'm really tired today? Can you make sure um, that you're able to set the table? Like, so before he goes, like if I need something, um, some help or something, we'll just talk about it. And he's like, okay, well, this is going to be really a tough ride you know, could we do this, this, and this? I'm like, all right, well, that would work. But it's a conversation. It's a, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is it's a conversation. And yeah. between the two of us for everything, it's like, okay, well, you know, I'd really love to do this. All right, but I've got this other thing. Um, okay, well, how can we do that? And just throwing ideas back and forth. And the girls are old enough now that we throw ideas back and forth with them as well. One wants to go to their grandparents. The other one doesn't. One of the parents is home. are like, well, you could stay. Do you want to stay? Yeah, I'll stay. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. It comes down to conversations. And something you said there bubbled up for me. Um, you know, you get to go out and do the thing. And I remember thinking about that and peeling back those layers for myself. And I'm like, huh. Like, so, well, if he can do the thing, then I can certainly do the thing. And I'm sure he would help me organize, have that conversation as in, okay, yeah, I'm around for these few hours. You can go do your thing. And I realized, you know what? Actually, I'm really happy with my choice to be here. There's not a lot of things at the time anyway, or even now (laughs) that I want to go out. Right, right. Exactly. A lot of the things that I wanted to do were like in this general areas. So so you can get past that layer of resentfulness so you get to go out and realize, yeah. oh, I could choose to do that too. We could work that out. But I'm actually, you know, there is actually nothing that I want to choose out there. And get back to realizing, oh, this is my choice. Choice. Yes. Yes. And absolutely. And it starts at the choice to either be resentful or happy. Like, you know, am I going to be really happy that he's going out and doing something that he loves? Or am I going to be resentful about it? For me at that, making a choice at that point completely changes my mindset on, on things like this. Yeah. Completely changes the whole energy, right? Definitely. How you see it, approach it and how you approach those conversations, like bringing a resentful energy to the, well, you pick up that chicken on the way home. Like, like, right. Versus, oh, hey, could you pick up that chicken on the way home? And like trying just just a world of difference in the relationship and how you yeah, talk. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. So I'm curious, yeah. what is something um, fun that you guys have done recently that you don't think you would have done before finding unschooling? Okay. Well, hold on a second, because the girls gave me some answers that I wanted to make sure. Okay. So Alex says that origami, if she hadn't been doing unschooling, she would never know that folding paper could be so much fun. And she's actually gotten to be very, very proficient at origami, like even making shapes herself. So that's one thing. And Leah says wrestling with dad and playing on her Minecraft server. So... 
those are her things that awesome. she's really kind of having a lot of fun with right now. Um, and Francesque, uh, I'm, I'm filling this in for him, but okay. right now he is learning how to code games um, in Unity, which is kind of a, a coding language uh, to help Alex create her own game. And he's just having so much. He's like, I love this. This is awesome. And he, the other day, he's watching these YouTube videos and he just keeps peeking into the bedroom to see if Alex is awake because the girls go to bed later than we do. And he's like, is she awake yet? Is she awake yet? <laughs> and I'm like, honey, she's going to wake up, but she's going to have to go through her like morning routine, chocolate and YouTube. And so you're going to need to blah, blah, blah. Right. But it was so wonderful to see him so excited about that. And he and I were talking about, he's like, well, she seems to be really bored when we watch the videos. How, how can we do it so that, you know, we keep her interest up, but I'm able to kind of come in and help her with. So we were kind of brainstorming on, on ways that, that we could help her do that. So I don't think that, uh, number one, I don't think we'd have the time he, that he ever had enough time to do that with, with her. And number two, I don't think we would have approached it that way of, well, you know, how does she like to learn and how can we kind of fit that in? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for me, um, playing games for the girls, like if you had asked me four years ago, if I would be like playing computer games, not for my, not for myself and princess would be like liar, liar, pants on fire. You <laughs> like doing this, <laughs> but so playing games for the girls, um, Building a server for Minecraft, like, you know, both girls have Minecraft servers and we can't have a vanilla Minecraft server. We have to have a modded Minecraft server with like 42 million mods on it, right? <laughs> that don't play well with each other. So so figuring out how to do that, I feel very proud that I've figured out how to do that. And I've actually helped some other moms of the girls that they play with online figure out how to put mods on the Minecraft and all that stuff. Like I'm walking them through on Discord. I'm like, okay, first you do this, then you do that. So that was a lot of fun as well. Um, and then connecting with other unschooling families online, um, especially through the network. Uh, so I wanted to say, Pam, that the work that you and Anna have done on the network is phenomenal because um, like I said, it's kind of lonely being the weirdo in the weirdos, right? <laughs> <laughs> as as a as radical unschooler here in Spain, um, and just being able to connect with other other families who are doing this, but especially other women who are doing this, has been invaluable. Um, and just seeing other people's like little peeks into their lives, um, and how they approach different. Everybody approaches um, you know different situations. I have learned so much of how how I could apply that to our life here at home, right? Because I think each unschooling family is different, but it's been so uh, it's been so valuable for me. So for me, that um, is also I don't wouldn't have done it before finding unschooling. So, oh my goodness, thank you so much, Betsy. <laughs> that's that's lovely to know that you're finding it. and connecting and yeah because I remember when uh, you know that was a huge thing for me when I was first diving into unschooling that that connection and and you're also you're reading about different families with kids of different ages and because it's how you really get to play with the principles right and Mm -hmm. and exactly like you said how it how it can look and unfold in our own family 
So thank yeah. you so much. And I might be uh, checking in with Francesca about those Unity learning channels because okay. I'm going to soon be diving into that too. I think oh, I'm cool. excited about that. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Betsy. It was so much fun. Thank you. Oh, thank you. This was awesome. I had so much fun. Right? It is. It's so yeah. fun to chat about now, before we go, where can people connect with you online if they'd like to touch base? Oh, man. Like, I'm not online at all. This is horrible. But so um, maybe we can include my email um, in the yeah. show notes. Um, and other than that, on the network. For somebody that's like so plugged into technology, like, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't really I love like it's. It, like you said, it's just another tool. Some people right. are using it to share those aspects of their lives, and and that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I like what I like looking at other people's like Instagram feeds, but I'm a stalker on Instagram. Like <laughs> anything. <laughs> exactly. I love that so much. Thank you so much again, and have a wonderful. What time is it there? Have a wonderful day. It is. Is it 4.30? It's 4.30. Oh, there you go. Not too late. Not too late. (laughs) Thanks so much, Betsy. Bye. It was great talking to you. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes. The conversations never go out of date. And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.